0: In this time of unknowing and uncertainty, you know, it can be kind of scary to think about what are these big upcoming processes like our elections going to look like. It's kind of scary to be uncertain about those things. You know, those are things we kind of want to be certain about. So
1: that's why we're here to help. Yeah, it's something that we mentioned in the last podcast episode is that we are here to worry about those things, right? Everyone is so busy making sure that their kids are able to do school right now, that you're figuring out how to work from home. So it's our job at Democracy NC to make sure that our elections stay free and fair and nothing changes that. But the problem is that we've never had to vote in this situation before. So no one really knows what to do, and there's just a lot of different ideas floating around. So we decided to listen to all those ideas, think of some of our own, and make a very neat list that we wrote uh, in a letter to the State Board of Elections, because I don't know about you, I'm a Liz person. We love Liz. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me feel better, more organized, like I know what I'm about to do. There will be no problems, because I wrote it down, you know, I wrote it down.
0: And we know there's no, you know, silver bullet. There's not one fixed to all these things. It's a really complex and complicated situation, but here at Democracy NC, you know, we just have to throw everything we have at it and try all of it. Like we need to find out what works best and the best way that we can run our elections in this new time.
1: We worked really hard to create this list and make it as comprehensive as possible because we don't wanna be like Wisconsin, right? We don't wanna end up where all of our citizens are going to vote on election day and taking it upon themselves to try to stand six feet apart and be unsure of the sanitation that happens inside those polling places. Another problem in Wisconsin specifically was that they had to shut down a ton of polling locations because, as we know, a lot of poll workers are retired folks because they have the time to do such an activity. And so that meant that people who are older are you know, more in an at-risk category for COVID-19. So they chose to stay home, which was the right move. But then no one spent any time to recruit healthier poll workers. And so they closed a ton of locations. Milwaukee, which is the biggest city in Wisconsin, only had three locations. That is so bad. That's why the lines were four hours long, which is voter suppression in and of itself, having to wait that long when people do have work to do, whether it's from home or not. And, you know, they're trying to stand six feet apart. Like I said, probably wasn't happening. Not everyone has masks to try to protect each other. It was a, it was a mess. It was a massive train wreck. It did not go well. And nobody wants to be like that because we saw it happen. And that's why we're working so hard.
0: So we took this list of all of our recommendations and we, along with coalition partners, sent it to the State Board of Elections to give them our expert opinion on how they can handle elections in the midst of the coronavirus.
1: So what we wanted to do today is just essentially go through the list with y'all so that you understand exactly what it is that we're asking for and why it makes sense.
0: And I know when when I first looked at this list, I felt like a lot of the things that we're going to tell you sounded kind of basic, like these things should be assumed, like I thought these things would already just be happening. But the reality is that they're not. And it's really important that we're still coming together along with our coalition partners to tell the State Board of Elections that these are the things we want to see in our elections because they're not happening unless we ask for it.
1: Mm, yes, Yes. Yes. So first things first, before we even think about what happens when we're voting we need full transparency to understand what's going on during the pandemic right so we know that the state board of elections office and all the county boards had to close physically because we need to stay home and work from home so That means that they're not having meetings in person, which were normally something that we and members of the public would go to, to know what's going on in terms of all the plans. So what we need is if folks are still having their meetings, some counties are not, they're trying to wait it out, which is fine. If they are having their meetings, that they're making them available either through some sort of video call or a dial-in number. And a good amount of the counties have been doing a good job of this. And I think some of them have set up Zooms or GoTo meetings and made sure that we and the public are aware of those dial-in numbers and those webinar links. But it is something, that's something that should be across the board. Every county has access to something that they can use that way, because it costs money and we need to make sure that the state is allotting that.
0: It's also really important just for us, like us here at Democracy NC and coalition partners, so that we can keep, you know, doing the right advocacy and keep advocating for these things like these lists is asking for. And we can't do that if we don't know that these meetings are happening or where to go or who to ask. So it's really important that County Board of Elections are being transparent in their meetings and making them known to the public.
1: All right, so that's the setup. Now let's think about what happens when we're actually trying to get out there and vote. These are the things that we need.
0: So first up on the list, we're asking the state board of elections to loosen and reduce the absentee ballot barriers. And absentee ballots are just voting by mail.
1: Yeah, uh, the the term absentee comes from like the historical thing about oh it's military personnel who are overseas and are absent quote unquote from North Carolina need to vote that way. But lots of folks can use it. Anyone in North Carolina can use it. It's great that it's open to everybody because some people have trouble leaving their house. They don't have reliable transportation. So there's lots of regular reasons you would want to vote by mail, but now it seems like the safest way, right? Maybe we should all be voting by mail. So there are a few different ways, lots of different options that we can make voting by mail easier, more accessible to everybody. So the State Board of Elections could mail a ballot to every registered voter in the state. They could make sure that there's paid postage on ballots so that when we send them back after voting, we don't have to find our own stamps or pay for our own stamps. I personally have no stamps in my house. I would not know where to find one. I don't know. Can you order stamps online? Is this a thing? The current process for filling out a mail-in ballot, you know, you fill out the ballot like regular, you check everybody off, you sign it yourself because that proves that you were the one that voted. And then there's a spot where two witnesses need to sign saying that they saw you as who you are fill in this ballot. It's like a, you know, it's a protective measure. The problem is that it's two witnesses There are lots of people who don't live with two other people right now. I myself only live with one other person. So who would I find to be my second witness? You know, I live in an apartment complex, so maybe I could put it in my neighbor's mailbox and have her sign it for me. I don't know if that's legit because she didn't watch me fill out the ballot, you know, so it just doesn't really work out. And we would need to to change that section for this election.
0: And then lastly, another way you could reduce these absentee barriers is just by educating folks more on how to use it, you know. Only 5% of North Carolinians use it right now. And I think that's just because it's so difficult to understand most of the time. I didn't know a lot about what an absentee ballot was or the process was before I started working at and C. So it's really important we just start educating more people on what it is and what it means.
1: That's right. It's a pretty complicated process. And when I was a student organizer, one of the coalition partners I worked with really wanted to help students absentee vote so that they voted in their like, home city not where they went to school, which is a complete choice that students get to make about where they vote. But it was hard to make plans to help students use absentee voting because it's such a complicated process. You have to mail a request for a ballot, you get the ballot back in the mail, and then you mail the ballot back. So it's a little ridiculous and we hope to cut through a lot of that difficulty with these suggestions.
0: So the next thing we're asking for is recruitment of more and younger poll workers. When we say young, we mean, you know, less vulnerable poll workers. A lot of them, like Taylor said, are retired folk and they're more at risk than a lot of us young people may be. So I think it's really important that we keep our more high risk folks at home and maybe the younger people can go out there and still using protection, be out there and help keep them
1: safe. Yep. And the other thing is that we want to make sure that all of our poll workers are paid well and fairly. We're not entirely certain right now how poll worker pay gets decided and if it's uniform across counties that's kind of why we put this part in the letter because it's something that we don't fully know but we want to make sure that if people are choosing to do something that's slightly risky you know we're going to make sure that they are protected and everything is sanitized and they wear masks and gloves and all that but it still would be somewhat of a risk to do this in person if we're going the way we're going and stay this way till November so we want to make sure that people are being properly compensated. And speaking of the voting experience, we need to make sure that we have poll workers as well as a few more things we're going to talk about now because we still have to have in-person voting this November, even if we're still doing a stay-at-home order. And that's because there will still be people who will need to vote in person for a few different reasons. There could be folks that don't have reliable mailbox or a reliable way to use mail because either folks might be transient still, or, you know, it's just not set up well where they're living, as well as the fact that it's just not possible to be that successful to transition fully to a vote-by-mail system in a half of an election cycle. There are a few states that do vote-by-mail totally, but, you know, they've been working on it for years, and it's a really big system to set up, and unfortunately, we just don't have the ability to do it well on the first try.
0: And even though we do need to have in-person voting, safety still needs to be our number one priority, of course. So there are still some other important things we need to remember. How this will look, that's up in the air because there are so many moving parts, you know. Does this look like less locations and more drive-by and drop-off ballots or more locations so that people can stay more distance? You know, how does it look? And then also, we need to focus on sanitizing these locations because, like we said, people are inevitably going to be there, so we're going to need to have measures in place so that they are safe when they're there, that these facilities are clean, these people are distanced, and that they can go vote without being worried about their health and safety.
1: Something else that could help with the safety and security of everyone voting is an increase and reliability in curbside voting that's something that happens at all voting locations early voting and election day anyway for folks who have trouble you know getting in and out of cars or like walking up and down stairs it's usually for folks who would use like a handicap parking spot and that means that a poll worker comes out you know hands them their ballot explains what's going on lets them fill it out inside their car gives them space to do it all privately and things like that and take it back inside themselves so We could do something like this on a bigger scale so that people aren't, you know, pulling open doors or using the buttons on the touchscreens of the voting machines. That's something that could help reduce the amount of person to person contact in a polling location. And then the other thing that we would want to make sure happens is to take polling locations out of retirement homes. That is a pretty common location. I'd say like community centers, schools, churches, and retirement homes are four big common places to hold voting because they have big empty rooms that you can do it in. But with retirement homes, housing people who are at higher risk of contracting COVID, we wouldn't want to house a whole bunch of people coming in there. So that's something we'd want to make sure happens as well.
0: And another way that we can do this is by making Election Day a holiday.
1: Making Election Day a holiday is a great idea at any point in time because Election Day is a Tuesday when most people are working. And so it'd be cool for everyone to have that day off and be able to go vote then. Now, we know that North Carolina has long early voting periods, which means that there's more options for people to vote on weekends when they're not working. But we also still know that people really do want to vote on Election Day because it's a symbolic thing. And if you were able to make it more available to everyone, it would just add another clear and free day that people could go vote. In this moment in time, it continues to help increase the amount of time that folks would be able to go in person. So if there's more time, then you would imagine there'd be less people together at any given moment, which could help with the distancing.
0: And of course, we're asking to fund all of this effectively. We want to request state and federal funds so we can keep our elections free and fair.
1: Yeah, there's unfortunately a lot of things to pay for right now. Like we said before, we want to make sure poll workers are paid well. If we need to have more voting locations, that could end up costing more money if we have to pay, you know, if we have to rent them out. We have to pay for a bunch of Clorox and masks and gloves, you know, all those things to keep everything sanitary. So counties need this extra money to run elections properly, and they will all say that they want this. Our State Board of Elections Director, Karen Brinson-Bell, we want to make sure that all this money is divided up between the counties so that everyone can administer it themselves properly. Rather than having to administer the money from the top where they can't see everything as clearly. So that
0: wraps up our list for our recommendations to the State Board of Elections on how they can handle elections in the midst of the coronavirus. Just because we're in this time of disaster and unknowing doesn't mean that we can let our democracy flounder. And if you want to learn more about each of them, you can go to dimnc.co/slash CV response.
1: Yes, and our website has tons of different actions you can take around this. So just head over to the Take Action tab on our page and you can see a bunch of different ways that you can send messages to your lawmakers, your county board of elections, anyone who will hear you in this moment because we need to check off some of these things on this list.
0: And we've made it really easy for you to do these actions too. There's pre-typed letters and emails that you can just hit send and sign your name on to let these lawmakers know that you agree with these recommendations.
1: So go ahead and email your representative and help us create a North Carolina that's built by us.
0: And thanks for listening to this podcast made of by and for the people. Yay! Thanks. Bye!